Coming up on today's show. I couldn't work over there because I didn't have like a, you know, um, work permit or anything. So a residency. So I wasn't allowed to work. So I pretty much spent every day creating music. I'm a dreamer. Wanna feel the magic inside of a dancer. Wanna feel the heat. Welcome to another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment featuring interviews with guests who are having success in entertainment, primarily music. I am Bruce Wozniak, talking to guests who are singers, songwriters, musicians, recording artists, and more from the worldwide music community. Do please stay connected. You can write to podcast at nhte.net, or instead of email, you're welcome to DM me through the at Now Hear This Entertainment Instagram account. Anything and everything to do with this podcast or the entertainment industry itself, I look forward to hearing from you. I say it all the time because I mean it. Honestly, please give me your feedback on this show. Yes, through email or through social media DMs. But honestly, I'd love to actually talk with you by phone. I will tell you how specifically you can do that coming up. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from the Los Angeles area, my guest is a singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, and international touring artist who is currently in the studio recording a new album. Her catalog includes an EP that she recorded with Grammy Award-winning producer Dom Morley, a past guest on this show, and her top five songs on Spotify have a combined total of close to three-quarters of a million streams. Meanwhile, the content on her official YouTube channel has exceeded more than 1.5 million video views. You've been hearing a song of hers called West Coast Girl. Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Natasha Julian. Hey, what's up? Hi, Natasha. Hi, how are you? Wonderful, wonderful. Thanks for making time to be on the show today. I've got a long list of questions for you. Oh, boy. But tell us first all about the song of yours that was just playing called West Coast Girl, especially since I was talking and the audience probably couldn't make out all the lyrics as a result. Yeah, I mean, West Coast Girl was um, kind of a um, is an exciting song for me because I had wrote it. Um, it was the first song that I wrote when I returned back to the States after living um, abroad for a few years. And um, I just, you know, it kind of it was one of those songs that really rolled out quite easily. And it really rooted our stems from me, you know, growing up in California. So it kind of felt like, okay, yes, I spent a few years abroad and I love the European culture, um, but this is who I am. I grew up in the Southern California mountains. I grew up going to the beach a lot. Um, and I just like said, hey, you know, I'm actually a West Coast girl. So it was really a fun, very playful song that really brought me back to my roots after kind of being in this whirlwind for a few years. So it was a really fun song. And it also differed from what I had been writing. So um, it was, like I said, it was really playful. It wasn't so dark and so heavy. It was more on the lighter side. So that was a little bit different for me. 
Um, so, yeah, it was, it was just bringing me back to California, basically. There was something that you said in that answer that I want to go back to specifically. You said that it rolled out rather quickly, and I wonder, is it much more enjoyable when a song can be written very quickly, or is there still something to be said for, you know what, Bruce, it's still enjoyable for me to write a song, even if it does take a significant amount of time? I think it's just as enjoyable. Yes, you're right. I have a very a few songs I can, you know, think of off the top of my head, Brother, Brother being one of them. But these songs just came to me. Um, and then, like you said, sometimes they take forever and years. I'm still working out some from like five years ago. <laughs> um, but um, And those ones are great, too, because they're so special because, you know, you knew it was there. You just had to find that one thing or that couple things that brought it to where it was always going to be anyway. Mm. So um, I did forget to mention, though, with West Coast Girl, um, it was one of the first times that I started collaborating with um, a songwriter. And um, her name was Maya Marie, and she she does a lot of Britney Spears uh, songs. Um, So I had pretty much almost sent the whole song to her. Mm. But um, she had made a few tweaks in the chorus um, with the, with the lyrics um, that really brought it to um, I guess the way it is now. So she did a few te- tweaks there. Um, she's amazing lyrically, and um, and so together we were able to mold it into this West Coast girl. But the beat was there from the beginning. Most of everything else, the verses are almost exactly the same from when I first wrote them. So I see. But it was fun. Well, and the other side of it, and getting back to my statement about a song that comes out quickly versus one that takes a long time, I think there's something to be said for not getting caught up in, gee, I was able to write this song so fast, it came to me so quickly. That must mean that it's going to be a hit. It must mean that I was meant to write this song so quickly because there's big plans for it. There's big things ahead because we've heard people say on this show before that it's the song that you think is going to blow up that doesn't really do that, and it's the song that you never really thought this is going to really be a big song for me that does end up really having some success. And so, like I said, I think there's some psychology that you have to avoid to not convince yourself this must be on its way to being a big song. Look at how fast it came out. You're totally right on that, yeah. I mean, I try not to think about... um the outcome of the song too much. I try and stay, you know, true to who I am and just write what feels good. Of course, you know, you can get into, you know, what is the, um, you know, what is the structure for a pop hit and stuff like that. And you can kind of adhere to those guidelines, but at the same time, I always write what feels good to me. Mm. And sometimes it's not what, is out there, you know, let's say in the the top, you know, pop hits falls into under the pop umbrella. But I I have a good knack at doing what feels good. And that's the only way to really be, you know, stay true to your authenticity. So I like that. I like that. In the intro I referred to you as an international touring artist. In preparing for this interview, I kind of sensed an aura about you that makes you more like an international woman of mystery to kind of steal the Austin Powers thing a little bit. So you mentioned California, but where specifically did you grow up and how did music come into your life? 
Um, yeah, so I grew up in a little town that usually no one's ever heard of. <laughs> it's called um, Idlewild, California. It's um, in the San Bernardino Mountains. It's um, pretty, it's on a little tiny mountain range, kind of opposite of Big Bear. It has no ski resorts or anything because it's too small. But I was born and raised there by my parents. Uh, divorced when I was, I think, around eight years old. Mm. And my mom raised five of us by herself. Mm. And um, it was a really lovely town to grow up in, honestly. I mean, I had the same friends my whole life. I was really able to, I really thrive when I'm in a very comfortable environment. And so I really felt like I got the most out of my childhood. Um, Even growing up very poor, even growing up, you know, where I was Maybe you can say fighting for attention because you have so many siblings and stuff. Um, but I was in a very comfortable environment, and I made the most out of it. And it was a really small, secure, safe town. And so I think that it was really great. It was really great, even through our struggles. So being one of five children, is that why you mentioned struggling to get attention? Is that why you gravitated to music that, hey, maybe it'll get me attention out of the five of us if I start performing? Um, I mean, I didn't think that, no. I mean, you can say maybe subconsciously that happened, but my mom said ever since I was really young, I was always in, I started pretty much out as a dancer. So I was all in taking dance classes and performing in all those talent shows and I like to be up on stage that was for sure Uh. and um, from there I remember I auditioned for um, all those school plays I was in Oklahoma and then I was in uh, Bye Bye Birdie and um, Guys and Dolls and I played the lead role and I loved that too so now I was singing and I was dancing and I was acting and um, I wanted to be an actress so from I thought I wanted to be an actress but once I moved from Idlewild to Los Angeles when I was uh, 18, I did acting for a few years and auditioning, and I kind of just had this burning desire, like, actually, music is my where I need to go. And mm-hmm. that's where I went from there. Yeah, you kind of never let go of it, in other words. At the very start of this episode, I said that you are a multi-instrumentalist, which I actually based that on at least two different pictures of you that I saw online. So set the record straight. Share with the audience what instruments you do play and if maybe you consider yourself to be strongest at one in particular. Yes. So, I mean, I play piano and I play a little bit of guitar. Um, Piano is definitely my stronger instrument, although I started playing as an adult, actually. Hmm. And um, I started guitar kind of shortly after, but I just kind of dabbled into it. And I feel like one day I'm going to, one day soon, (laughs) I'm going to pick up guitar and really, you know, focus my energy on that to, you know, strengthen that. But I play some chords and stuff on guitar and I am in love with piano. I feel like when I was a child, I had dreams of me playing piano and my mom always wanted to but she just couldn't afford lessons and she couldn't afford to buy one so kind of just brushed it under the rug and it wasn't her fault or anything she just had a lot going on and then I was in my like mid-20s and I was like you know what I've always wanted to play piano and that's when I started playing and and now like I 
I can never go back. I, I love, I just, it just feels so me. Mm. So, to answer your question. <laughs> I love that story because normally we hear the traditional, like you started out, oh, from a very young age, I wanted to perform and I actually started into dancing. And so normally a guest will go on to say, and then mom and dad put me into piano lessons or mom and dad bought me a guitar when I was eight or whatever it is. And so I love, Natasha, that your story is different because I think you provide inspiration to people who maybe in their adult life feel they missed out and say, I should have learned to play the piano when I was young. I should have learned to play the guitar when I was young. Well, you didn't, but there's no time like the present. So why can't you take lessons and start now? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And yes, it is It is hard, you know, for the first year when you're like, plink, plunk, plink, plunk. <laughs> but at the same time, like I, like you said, you can't go back and, the fact that, yes, I was a performer when I was a child, but, like, we were surviving. My mom didn't have a, you know, any mental capacity to go one step further. She was cleaning houses for a living and supporting us, and she that's pretty much the maximum that she could do. She's on overload. So. Yeah. so it's beautiful now, and also I really appreciate it now, you know? Nobody was forcing me to play an instrument when I was young. Like now I took it on for myself mm. and you know, it's, it's so much more fulfilling. I feel like, yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. So let's get into songwriting then. When did you start into songwriting? What subjects do you like to write about? And for that matter, because you talked about it a little bit when you made the clarification about West coast girl, have you found that maybe you prefer to write alone or to co-write? Just give us all the details about songwriting. Um, yeah, so I, I started also songwriting right around the time that I started playing piano. And I knew beforehand that I wanted to write songs. I was like in my late teens and stuff, but I didn't know where to start. So you could kind of say that it just came to me really at the right time. It was the right time where I had lived enough experience that, stuff started flowing out. And as soon as stuff starts to flow out, then um, I just feel like it was really meant to be. So they went hand in hand. And, uh, you know, I started playing a lot of um, old stuff at first. Like I was drawn to uh, folk music, like Carole King and Linda Ronstadt and Eagles, um, really, you know, organic sounding music. So I started out playing some songs from there. And I also started writing a little bit like that as well. Uh. And then from there, I kind of went a little bit more into pop. And then I also went into some dark pop. So I was writing a lot of sad songs and dark songs because I love the minor keys, actually, to be honest. Mm. Um, and and it was also my stuff was really melodic. So uh, I was trying to find, you know, from there where I was going to go. But I just feel like it will go where it wants to go. Um, right now, I do still play and write a lot of dark pop and cinematic pop stuff. But I feel like I'm also coming out of a little bit of a dark era. So things are starting to lighten up a little bit. And so I'm playing a little bit more major chords now. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit more happy stuff. Um, but yeah, I don't really know where it's going to go next, but that's, that's pretty much my, my, where my writing style has been over the, the last few years. 
So it sounds to me, and I want you to correct me if I'm wrong, because I am putting this in the form of a question, but even though you said about West Coast Girl that you didn't do that 100% by yourself, do you prefer to write alone? Because that's what I'm sensing from everything that you're saying. Or do you co-write a little bit more and maybe you don't really have a preference one way or another? Yes. To answer your question, I prefer, I usually start out alone. Um, maybe that'll change in the future, but I have no um, judgments. I have no inhibitions when I'm alone. And I feel like I can really get the most authentic and organic idea out. And then once the idea is out and I've got some sort of feel to the song or, you know, the vibe to the song, which is really, really the essence, it's really important. Once that is out, I have no problem sending my idea to a producer or to a songwriter to help mold it or to help perfect it. But I think as as long as they don't change the essence of the song, then I'm fine with it, you know. But if it completely changes songs, then I feel like, well, we might as well have just started out, you know, with a blank slate together. Yeah. So, yes, I do prefer to start out writing alone. Yeah, why did I even send you the song if you're going to basically just blow it up and start all over again? Right, But, right. you know, I wonder, though, in listening to you talk a few minutes ago about piano and guitar and you saying that you're kind of still finding your way through the guitar, I wonder if you use songwriting to inspire you to get better at guitar. In other words, is it, sorry to burst your bubble, Bruce, I write 100% of the songs on piano, or have you found that, hey, writing songs might be a way that I might learn the guitar faster if I try to write some songs on guitar, or maybe it's a song that you start out on piano and you go, this just doesn't feel right, maybe I'll try the guitar. Yeah, it's actually happened, though, even with my limited guitar capabilities. Um I started writing Tomorrow Will Come, one of my older songs from my EP, Happily Ever After. And um, I started writing that one on guitar because it didn't feel right on piano. And it's more of a kind of upbeat, um, happier song. So maybe that's just it. And maybe you're right. I feel like, yes, it can inspire me, I think, to start out more and more on guitar. And maybe that will be like, frustrate me almost to the point where I'm like, hey, I need to get better. But I have to believe that it probably makes you feel good that you have another option so that if you sit down with an idea that you feel good about and you play it on the piano and all of a sudden you have that moment where you go, oh, it doesn't really work that good, then you can exhale and smile and say, wait, let me try guitar. <laughs> yes, you're totally right. Yes, I'm so glad I have that option. So any particular subjects that you like to write about? Do you actually sit down and say, I'm going to song right now? Or are you just like so many others where you say, you know what, when an idea comes to me, I just say it into my voice recorder and I come back to it another time? Yeah, mostly I do that. And I have like very weird, um, strange voice recordings <laughs> where I didn't really know what I was thinking, but I had some sort of you know, idea, and then I was listening back to it. I'm like, what is this? Um, but I kind of got the essence out of it. But most of the time, that's what happens. But I do make blocks now because my schedule is so crazy that I'll just, like, make, like, a three-hour block where I'm in the studio, and I'll go back and forth between sometimes singing some songs and 
plopping around on the piano and sometimes from there a song will just come out or something sometimes something's weighing like very heavily on my mind and I do my I might say yeah I'm gonna try and write a song about this mm. um, but most of the time it's just um, like very organic whatever came to me okay so let's take a lot of what you've talked about so far and mash it all together because as much as you described your sound and what your music has become, and you talked about sending songs off to a producer that are basically finished, I wonder how has your music changed over the years in working with different producers? And for that matter, do you see yourself venturing into different genres in the future? Yes. So the first part of your question, I want to answer that first before I get excited about the, <laughs> the second part. <laughs> Definitely. So I can remember going to, um, I was collaborating with a producer in New York, um, and I had just moved abroad. And um, that was a really first time I got into like the pop realm. So I had really uh, um, organic sounding songs that were written on the piano, and he put a beat behind it, and they were very pop. Um, That was my EP, Happily Ever After. Yeah, so I mean, it, that's when I was like, okay, I can do this. So it was really, really heavily influenced by that a um, uh, little bit of electronic sounds and pop. We put a little bit of guitar in there, but it was almost just very faint electric guitar in the background. So yeah, I do feel like it was influenced by that producer. And then um, after that, I went to Don Morley. And it's funny because when I was working with Don Morley, I had sent him like a playlist of what I had envisioned for the album. And uh. he's like, this is right up my alley. He's like, if you had asked me to do something else, I would have said like, no, but because you picked these songs, he's like, I want to do this with you. Interesting. <laughs> so, um, and it's like, I would say like, it's like nineties alternative, um, still sometimes a little poppy, but a lot of those, um, different sounds, the like Portis head kind of uh, feel to it. And um, so, yeah, I was influenced by him. And then whatever he was sending over was not at all like I imagined, but I loved it. <laughs> so, um, so then I felt like, okay, I'm going into, you know, just a different area here. And then after that, coming back to LA, you know, I was, I was uh, collaborating with Ian Barter, who was also a UK producer. And he did a lot of straight pop and stuff. Um, and then the producer of West Coast Girl, Killian, he does a lot of uh, uh, straight pop. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely influenced by who I'm working with. Yeah, it's interesting to hear you say all this because before when you said, if I send off a song and they want to completely change it, then it's like, what's the point? Yet, I love that you have made yourself, in the case of all these different examples that you just went through one by one with the different producers, you have made yourself open to input from others. In other words, look, this is the foundation. I'm handing you over this song. This is the foundation, but it doesn't mean that it 100% is in stone and I will not bend. You have let producers kind of mold around that with you. You're right. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And most of the time I can say that 90% of the time I've been happy looking back. I have a couple of songs, two, two of them really, that I can think of that I had been mad at myself for not saying something in the moment mm. because I feel like the song 
changed too much from its original form, and I had liked it better, let's say, as a de- demo with just piano vocals. But that doesn't happen very often. It also taught me to, you know, hey, like, if I have this gut feeling, which I did, like, it's time to speak up now because when you go back and listen to the song over the years, you're always going to be thinking about that. So it's also taught me some things, you know. Well, it also sounds like it has put you in a posture of, yes, I am happy to venture into different genres in the future. Yes, you're right. Uh Uh-huh. I am. Yeah, I kind of have this feeling I might come full circle eventually in my music career. Maybe I'll come back to like folk. Maybe I'll do some like a full folk album. I don't know. Who knows? Well, I love it because you're open to diversity. What I mean by that is you're not married to, I have to stay in just this lane. I started out as a folk artist, so I have to stay a folk artist. Or I've really kind of launched myself into the pop realm, so I guess I have to stay in the pop realm. So good for you, because I think too many artists kind of get caught in a scenario of I've painted myself into a corner this is the music that I've been doing and they feel that they can't change and to that I say why can't you right you're so right Uh uh-huh like who's they and who said you can't yeah so um I guess that's almost been one of my most frustrating things because I'm a bit of a chameleon and I do feel like it is authentic of me to be a little bit in all of these areas so you can't say, oh, no, be true to yourself and you are just one thing and don't venture out. I do feel a little bit piece of all of them. So I do feel like it's OK. It's just another side of me. It's another part of me. Yeah, that's right. Because you could say, be true to yourself. And you say, awesome, because myself is very diverse. And so great. I'm going to be true to myself <laughs> and I'm going to grow in a few different areas. <laughs> Right. Yeah. So and you know that one of the biggest artists right now that made also kind of um, inspired me that, hey, yeah, this is true. The way I think is true is, you know, Taylor Swift with her jumping, you know, from pop to the the, uh, folklore album, actually. So and they're so different. And I saw her do that. And it just kind of confirmed that everything that I had been thinking, you know, is, is actually okay. Well, not to mention that I think you'd find a lot of people who would say, well, wait a minute, Taylor Swift started out as a country artist before she went to pop. So if she's changing again now, then that is a good example to point to. I'm joined today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from the Los Angeles area by singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, and international touring artist Natasha Julian. Visit her official website at natashajanejulian.com. I will have a link to it on the show page for this episode on my podcast website, nhte.net. On her website, look for the music section where you can download Natasha's original music or even link over to her Spotify. Do also check out the store section of natashajanejulian.com for quite an array of merchandise that she has. And of course, look for the social media icons on Natasha's website to follow her on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as to subscribe to her YouTube channel, and watch all the videos that she has on there. Folks, how absolutely annoying is it to get bombarded every day by hearing your phone ring, and when you look at the caller ID, it says, scam likely. (laughs) Or now the spammers are calling you from a number that shows as verified, 
yet you still just know that it's no one that you want to talk to, so you just don't even answer anymore. That's why I like getting calls on the OWL app. I can see the picture of the person who's calling me. I can look real quick at their bio before I answer. No one is trying to sell anything. And by that, I mean that this is not a sponsor. They're not paying me to talk about them. But I also mean that the people who have been calling me on the OWL app are not trying to pitch me stuff. It's honestly just a really great tool for making new connections. The founder of the app calls OWL LinkedIn on steroids, and I really feel like that's what it is as much as I'm laughing about it. You can call me on there and make new connections with lots of other folks and all without having to give out your cell phone number. By the way, it's like the bird, except it's spelled with two W's and two L's. The app is free to download. I have instructions, links to get it from the App Store or Google Play, and I have the invitation code, which is a required field when you're setting it up on your phone, in an article on my podcast website, nhte.net. Tap or click the home button on nhte.net and then dig into the article that I'm referring to, whose headline is Help Now a Phone um, App Call Away. Natasha, before all of that, we were talking about your sound changing over the years as a result of working with different producers. You mentioned Dom Morley. He is a Grammy Award-winning producer who is the guest back on episode 360 of this show. I'd just love you to dig into that a little bit more in terms of working with him specifically and just kind of the, I don't want to say influence that he had on you, but maybe almost the lessons that you were able to learn from working with someone as accomplished as he is. Um, Yeah, I mean, working with Dom was a very beautiful surprise. So I found him um, accidentally. Um, He was doing an interview with um, one of the other artist managers that I was uh, in contact with in Europe. And um, I had to send him a cold email after that interview and something sparked. I'm like, you know what, I think I might get along with him. (laughs) So I sent him an email. I sent him some of my songs that I had done, and um, and he liked them. And and that's when um, that's when I was telling you before that I had sent him the playlist, and then he he decided that was right up his alley. So um, Dom is an ultimate professional. He is um, very efficient. He's very communicative. Um, he we would start on the first song. We kind of tested out one song and we did a mechanical heart just to see if we worked well together and everything. And um, I think I was in Florida at the time and I flew over to England just to record uh, mechanical heart. Wow. wow. And um, even after being jet lagged and everything, <laughs> everything went so smooth and um I, he he does everything. He has an analog studio, so he does everything different than than I had been used to. Mm-hmm. And because he has worked with people um, like Sting and Adele, he's worked. You know, yeah. He knows what he's doing, and he was able to try stuff that I wouldn't have thought of. Mm. Um, and um, I just remember thinking, "Wow, this is." It was such an. It wasn't just like working with any producer. Um, and he, at the same time, he was very, very fast, too. I mean, we would go in and for like maybe four hours, five hours in the studio, and we would like get two songs recorded, you know. Mm. Um, 
So, yeah, I mean, just his ultimate professionalism and able to willing to try different things, you know, maybe some ideas that I had with backing vocals, he would say, hey, yeah, that's good. Let's just get the very first part and the very last part. We don't need the whole thing, you know, going through. And I was like, oh, yeah, I wouldn't have thought of that. Uh. So he really knows what he's doing. He knows what's going to sound good on the track for sure. No doubt. No doubt. Shout out to our friend Dom Morley. And for the audience, if you never heard that episode, I will put a link on the show page for Natasha's episode on nhte.net to my interview with Dom Morley so you can go back and listen to the conversation that he and I had together. And folks, you've been hearing me refer to Natasha as an international touring artist, and I don't want you to think that it's just based on her having said, I flew from Florida over to the UK to work with Dom. Natasha actually lived in France at one point. So Natasha, when was that? Why did you live in France? How long did you live there? And for that matter, did you do any live shows while you were living there? Yeah, so um, I went to France in um, 2016, and we were, you know, I've always lived very spontaneously, and um, me and uh, my family, my two children, they were pretty small at the time, and we were kind of at our, um, we were living in Florida, we were kind of at our, kind of at our end there, and um, my husband was working abroad a lot. Um, he has a, a race team, so he was racing, and he was just gone a lot. So we had this crazy idea, let's pack everything up, let's go to France, let's go try it out, let's put the kids in school, and let's just see what happens. So mm. crazy kids that we were, we packed <laughs> everything up, and we spent all of our belongings on a ship, on a boat, which was a terrible idea. Mm. <laughs> Um, but, and we got there and we rented, you know, an Airbnb until we found somebody that would rent to us for, you know, like a, a long term, like a year. Mm-hmm. Um, we lived there, we lived in a few different houses there and it was a beautiful period because I had, I couldn't work over there because I didn't have like a, you know, um, work permit or anything. So a residency, so I wasn't allowed to work. So I pretty much spent every day creating music ah. um so it was i mean it was a little bit lonely at times because i didn't have my like social circle but i pretty much stayed in the studio most of the time <laughs> and um and it was really great because i had no distractions i had a lot of time and a lot of um beautiful songs came out of that era when when i was over there mm. um as far as performing, I did. I performed. Um, I had met a rock guitarist at a convention in Belgium. It was a, it was a Uriah Heep convention, which ah. I had never heard of. Heap. And um, he afterwards, after we were done, he's like, "I'll help you with some of your songs." He does a little bit of producing, but nothing like um, you know major. But that was kind of how we met. And um, from there, we kind of stayed in touch. And I told him, you know, why I'm out here, I want to, you know, get a band together and I want to perform. So I flew over to Liverpool where he was located and he had some players that he had known over the years, a bass player, drummer, he plays guitar, and we put together a band. And it was a Natasha Jane Julian band and they were my backup players. 
and um, we got some gigs in uh, Chester, Blackpool. Um, where's Marine Hall? There's Marine Hall in Fleetwood. And then we also went to Nice a couple times for some acoustic wow. shows, too. Wow, very cool. Very cool. So, yeah, it was really, really fun. So how long total did you end up living in France for? We lived there for three years, uh, which was way longer than I expected. But um, <laughs> I thought I was going to go over there for about a year. <laughs> and um, and it was great, but I think, and then it ended very abruptly. I was like, I think I had like a, you know, like I was at my end one day. I was just like, I need to go home. Mm. <laughs> and, wow. um, and then we made it happen. I think we were back in L.A. in like two months from there. So. Wow. Wow. Well, let's dive into this new album that you're currently recording. What details are you at liberty to share at this point as it relates to, say, how many songs are going to be on the album? Who are you working with on it? When is it going to come out? Any of those kind of details? This album has been in the works for a couple of years now. I started working with a producer based here in L.A., although I think he's just moved to Nashville. Um, his name is Michael Nosny. Um, he's done a lot of work for, um, TV shows and movies and films. Um, he's the ultimate professional as well. Um, unfortunately about a year, you know, just about a year into it, year and a half into it, he, um, had, uh, some COVID, um, post COVID setbacks with mm. his health. So, um, we had kind of decided that because we were, the album's going to have about 10 to 12 songs on it. Wow. And we had decided, let's just finish up what we have right now. And I was going to go and find another producer to um, to finish up the other songs and start the other songs and make sure that they sound um, cohesive, you know, as an album. So that kind of took some work on my end to, you know, how is this going to, you know, sound the same Um but at the same time, I didn't want to overthink it because I'm a big believer in the universe will let things out at the right time and it will all be okay. Like it will come out as it was meant to be. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like had to search a little bit at the same time, let go and just be like, okay, this is what what it is right now. Let's work with this. So um, I'm, I found another producer that I'm working with, Dib. He's also based in New York. And um, we've already, um, I'll be recording tomorrow. I'll be recording tomorrow the first song with Dibs here in L.A. And I've already recorded the first two songs that me and Michael have together uh, last week. So we've got, you know, three of them almost recorded out of 12. And I think that we'll probably be done recording probably by June, I'm hoping. Uh, okay. And then um, hopefully the album, I'll probably release the three or four singles, um, and then probably the album this uh, winter, probably, I'm guessing, October, November-ish. Okay, okay, very exciting, very exciting. You did mention along the way that you are also a mother, and you had a social media post recently where you were coming clean and you are just kind of sharing with people about the stress that comes with being a mom I wonder what keeps you grounded. What do you turn to in moments of exhaustion, just being overwhelmed at times? Yes. (laughs) 
this has been a um, big area, you know, for me, um, especially because I started very, very young. I was, you know, just a baby for when I started having kids, when I had my first daughter. So um, it's pretty much right now at the height of the frustration and stuff, you know, entering the teenage years. But I am... I have found meditation, actually, in the last year. Ah. I found a specific meditation uh, called TM, which is Transcendental Meditation, and it completely changed my life. I found that I had um, really not found a way to let go of, you know, some past trauma and stuff through other things that I had tried, you know, yoga and, you know, talk therapy and, um, like, TM, Transcendental Meditation, completely changed me. And I'm a huge believer in that. If somebody who, like me, who would never, ever think that I was a meditator. So ah. that's been really, really cool. Is that by chance a part of the Women's Meditation Network podcast? No. I, I kind of just, I found it on accident, and then I found that, Jerry Seinfeld has been doing this for like 30 or 40 years. Whoa. And I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> and so it kind of sparked my interest. And I had found it, and then it took me about a year to actually decide that I was going to go do it. Because it's like um, a four-day course that you have to go and, you know, take, because I have to really teach you how to tap into it. Hmm. And then um, from there, I was hooked. So now I meditate twice a day, every day, and I really look forward to it, and I've been able to keep me so much more grounded um, and less stressed and also take some of my, you know, just everyday um, fear away. So it's yeah. been amazing. Yeah, that's very interesting to hear, and obviously, you know, post-pandemic, it's been a very difficult time for lots and lots of people, and I know the Women's Meditation Network and programs like what you're talking about it really seems like meditation is something that people have really turned to because of what we all went through in those years of lockdown, all that time that we all lost, you might as well say, to the pandemic. And so it's good that because you're dealing with everyday stress that has nothing to do with the, the pandemic, it's all about being a mom, you have found an outlet. I all, actually thought you were going to say, yeah, my music is what I turn to. So it's good that, <laughs> sure, yes, of course, I have my own music, but I need something else too. So it's good that you have found something. Yeah, I mean, music has, once I found, started writing songs, that was my therapy. But Something still needed to be released, and so meditation is, has done that. And it's been really great for my music, actually. And it's been really great for my stage performance as well, because I feel like a part of me has now finally, you know, been able to let go. So it's it's really, really cool, the transformation. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. As we head into the home stretch here, we heard about the upcoming new album, but what else is coming up for you music or non-music related? And then also, what do you hope to accomplish with your music? Well, I'm I, I'm really excited about this album because um, for one thing, I, I really want to, you know, share it to, you know, people all over the world. And I've got my band here in L.A. and we're going to be getting together for the first time in a few months and a couple of weeks and we're going to be learning the new material one by one by one you know and I want to get them up to date on um, the new album sound and everything 
Um, and yeah, my goal is to tour with this album. Ah. Um, and so that's that's upcoming. I'm very excited about that. And um, also, I'm working on launching a um, a sweatshirt line that I hope to turn into a loungewear line. And that's going to stem from uh, my desire to um, help fuel people's dreams and my positivity outlook and my, like, kind of spirituality. And, um, yeah, let's see, you know, where that goes. It will kind of be separate from my merch line, but it will be by NJJ. So. Well, but at the same time, having listened to you talk about meditation, it sounds like it does all go together because I feel like that's the link between the apparel and then also the state of mind that you have found to be able to go into your recording sessions, your writing sessions with a more relaxed demeanor, with a clear head, with no distractions. And of course you want to be comfortable when you're doing it. So the loungewear is, boy, I'm writing your ad for you, aren't I? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. That's awesome. Yes, exactly. (laughs) What he said. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to close today with another one of Natasha's original songs. You heard her mention this one earlier when she talked about working with Dom Morley called Mechanical Heart. Natasha, before I let you go and I play that track, share with the audience all about this song, if you would, please. Mechanical Heart was one of the ones that I did with Dom Morley. It was also the very first one that we recorded. And, um, I love Mechanical Heart because it's really um, about thinking about our our world that we live in and, you know, the space and where, where people's heads are at and, you know, are they in the right place? Are you really doing things for the right reasons? And it just like in our fast-paced world, it, it was really scary, you know, watching this. And that's kind of where it first stemmed from. So I was like, when I was writing the lyrics, I'm like, are you feeling anymore? Are you just doing things, you know, as a robot? Are we just doing things because we that's the right next move? But are we really taking the time to really feel and see things uh, in a humane way? So, so that's where it came from. Was that inspired at all by the pandemic, or had you written this before the pandemic started? Um, I wrote this before the pandemic, yeah. Mm. So... Interesting. It's almost like you were doing some foreshadowing. You were a visionary. Yes, you can say that. And it was really, really amazing, too, because if you check out the music video from Mechanical Heart, um, I had shot that with uh, Zachary in London, and he really understood my vision. We had recorded another, um, shot another music video together, and we went to the tube in London, we walked around the streets of London, we we shot um, in the park, and it was able cause I was able to get these shots of like people walking around almost in a ro- robotic way. And um, it was a really, really special piece of, piece of work. Yeah, I do have to say your videos look terrific. And I mentioned way back in the intro that your YouTube channel has exceeded more than 1.5 million video views. I wonder how actively involved are you with the creation of your music videos? I'm very, very involved. I have a really... um, Music videos I love, love, love because I feel like they're an extension of the song. So I'm like, when I feel like, oh my gosh, this song is such a 
story, the song is great, but it needs also the visual, you know. Um, and I love to paint the picture. So I'll usually have most of it already written out in my head. And then I will tell the director exactly what I want. And um, he'll put some pieces together for me, but I pretty much have the whole thing mapped out already in my head of how I want it. And that sounds a lot like the writing process that you described earlier when it comes to actually creating the song, that I've got a good idea, I've got it pretty much done, but okay, I'll let the producer sprinkle their producer dust on it. And same thing here. I already know what the video is going to look like. I just need a director to come in and do what a director does and specialize in different areas that, okay, yes, you're right. I'll defer to you as the director. That might make it a little bit better. But I love, Natasha, that you have that vision for where the song is going and where the video for it is already going to go. Yeah, you're right. Now, now the, the more I think about it, I, kn- I always know what I want. It can be changed. It can be molded. It can be, you know, we can kind of go into another area. But I usually always have a really good idea of what I want. And really, it's so important nowadays for an artist to have that because I think of someone like Ed Sheeran, who it seems like you can hear Ed Sheeran's newest song at the same time that his video is just being released. In other words, you may not have heard the song yet, but you might be hearing it for the first time because there's already a video for it. He doesn't wait until six months after the song is out to finally do a video for it. Right. Uh-huh. That's true. Mm-hmm. I like to put the video out at the same time or at least a week apart, you know, max, because, yeah, it goes with it. It's hand in hand. Yeah, I love it. I must say that I'm a little surprised that you're not on TikTok unless you're going to tell me, yes, I am. You just haven't mentioned it yet. <laughs> I am on TikTok. I have a very small account because um, I didn't really know what I was doing, but yes, I have a small TikTok account that I'm hoping to grow soon. <laughs> okay, as, as long as it doesn't get banned in the United States. <laughs> right. <laughs> Natasha, wonderful to meet you. Thank you so much for making time to be on Now Hear This Entertainment, and best of luck with the new album. We'll be watching excitedly for that to come out later this year. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your time. It was really fun, yeah. My pleasure. Very fun. My pleasure. And folks, with that, I will wrap up another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, and international touring artist Natasha Julian. Do visit her official website at natashajanejulian.com. Again, I will have a link to it on the show page for this episode on my podcast website, nhte.net. Remember that you can dive into her original music by looking for the website menu item on NatashaJaneJulian.com that says music and that you can choose from a wide range of merchandise in the store section of her website. Do engage with Natasha on social media. This morning, I followed her on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and I know she would appreciate you doing the same. Check out her YouTube channel as well. Hit the subscribe button there. Watch and like the videos she has posted. And somewhere out of all those different social media channels, let Natasha know that you heard her and her music on Now Hear This Entertainment. You heard her talk about the new album that she's currently recording. So keep up with Natasha online to watch for news that she posts as that release draws closer. I do truly hope that you like this show, that you're enjoying what I'm doing every week on the Now Hear This Entertainment podcast. If you've made it all the way to the end, thank you for having stuck with Natasha and I, and I'm going to assume that that means that you do like the podcast. You can take action to let me know that you appreciate the work that I do to keep making this show happen every week, every month, more than nine years without missing once. 
by going on my podcast website, nhte.net, and then using the yellow Buy Me a Coffee logo that you will see there. This is not a sponsor. It's not affiliated with any brand or chain. It's just a fun way for you to send your support, your thanks to me, including a note that I will see when you utilize that option. You can also just head directly to buymeacoffee.com slash Bruce W. That will do it for episode 478. Thanks ever so much for listening. I'll send you out today with another song from Natasha Julian. This is the one she just talked about. It's called Mechanical Heart. 